Yo, what's good, YouTube? Welcome back to another episode of the Shooter Straight Podcast. It's your co-host Zach. I'm your co-host G. Welcome back to episode 30. First and foremost, want to go ahead and thank y'all for all the previous support we've been getting on all the other episodes. We want to thank y'all for the YouTube shorts going crazy to YouTube. We've been going crazy on the YouTube in general. TikTok's been going crazy. Instagram, we want to thank y'all for the continued support on all the social media platforms. Hit the subscribe button down below if you haven't already because we got a lot of content coming soon with the World Cup and uh, NFL continuing on, getting closer to the playoff time. Hit the subscribe button to stay tuned on what's coming up. G, what you got? Absolutely, man. Uh, we're, we're here pumping out content for you guys. We love talking about all this stuff, and we want to hear your opinions about every single topic we covered today. Even if you don't agree with us, agree with us, we want to hear it. We want to get connected with you, you guys as much as possible. Exactly. We love to hear what y'all have to say. We love to hear it in the reels, comments, and we love seeing it in the YouTube comments. So put it down below, whatever you think of what we got to say. But without further ado, do you think we should just get straight into this? Let's get right into it. So without wasting any time, game of the day. Well, we thought it would be game of the day. I don't know. When did it play out? Maybe not. But Argentina versus Mexico. Obviously, Argentina coming off of that historic upset, you know, losing to Saudi Arabia. We weren't sure what to expect. Mexico, they came into this game coming off of a 0-0 draw against Poland. I'm going to go ahead and pass this one off to you first. We watched the game together. What was your initial reaction to Argentina being able to pull out a 2-0 win? Well, you know, the start of the game, it just the almost not even the start the entire game the entire game was horrible i mean it was just ugly football there's nothing pretty about it and um argentina had to do what they had to do it was not a good performance by either side realistically met i mean messi you know scored and got an assist but it was purely almost out of nowhere he just pulled he just pulled it out of nothing and just how the entire game was i believe in the first half there's only four shots from both teams and none were on target like this is if if there was a crime against humanity described in football, this well, this was that game. It was just just poor football. The uh, Mexico came out super defensive, five in the back. They line they had five the entire game. Just had everybody behind the ball. It looks like they were trying to play for a draw. This game they they started out from the whistle. They were like, we're just gonna get a draw this game. They went out with no urgency, and Argentina struggled with that. They didn't look they, like they were clicking. DePaul has been atrocious he's he's looked horrible he's almost like you can't play him next game you have to bench him he's been playing so bad and just from from how the entire movement of the game has been going with them i it argentina need, needed the win and i think you'd just be happy with taking the three points they needed the three points because i think if they drew I, I wasn't gonna count them to make it out anymore but um you know Argentina got the points they needed, ugly or not. It's what they it's what they went into the game wanting, and they got it. Uh, I 100% agree. From the first whistle, you know there was it was nervousness. You know, once again, from it looked like from the Argentina players, there was a little bit of nervousness, and it was different the a different type of nervousness compared to the Saudi game. This game, they knew that if they didn't win this game, that it was going to be very hard. You know, if they lost, it was basically they they, they were eliminated. But if they drew, they had a very, very slim chance of making it out. They knew pretty much they needed all three points here. And Mexico, I'm disappointed. They came out extremely defensive. Tata Martino, this game is on you. This is not what you expect. I saw an attacking side against Poland. They weren't able to get the goal, but I saw a team that was willing to, to put, put numbers forward, willing to connect passes. I saw in this game a team that was scared. From moment one, they were scared. They did not do anything in the in the final third 
I can't remember a single chance Mexico had where I was holding my breath. They maybe the free kick. They had a free kick in the, at some point in the game that was, with uh, Vega, and it was it was that was it. That's the only somewhat type of chance I can think of that Mexico created the entire game. It was a pathetic Mexico performance. I expected better, to be honest, because they could have put Argentina on their heels here. This is a non-confident Argentina team coming off of a loss against Saudi Arabia. If they could have nicked an early goal, Argentina would it would have been bad. However, they came in flat. They came in lethargic. And to be fair, Argentina, they were not able to break down this, this extremely defensive Mexico side. They pretty much, until Messi was able to unlock the Mexico side with the, with the, with the dagger, with a, what a goal it was, it, it was pretty much the worst game of football, I think, in the, in the whole World Cup. It was a terrible game it to watch. Horrible. Mexico literally, it was, just, it was just foul, foul after foul after foul. I believe, I believe there's uh, eight, uh, almost, uh, I believe like 10 plus fouls, <laughs> just it, it almost in the first half. Yeah, no, it, it was absolutely unbelievable how many fouls was going on with Mexico. They were just trying to disrupt the play in any way that they could. You know, they did not want Argentina to find their rhythm and Argentina weren't able to find their rhythm. But, you know, there were a couple bright spots, you know, well, the only bright spot I could think of before Messi was able to score was Di Maria. You have to give credit. Di Maria in both games against Saudi Arabia and now against Mexico, he has done excellent. And this is, you know, a, a bright spot for this Argentina team because, you know, there was doubts about his fitness coming into the World Cup. Well, he's, he's, he's shouted the doubters down because he has played absolutely brilliantly through two games. And I expect him to continue to do that. And he's going to have to continue to do that in order for Argentina to go as far as we hope that they will. And I expect that they will. But yeah. cometh the hour, cometh the man. When Argentina needed him the most, Messi comes through once again. And it was looking dire for many points of the game. I was thinking, oh, this isn't looking good. Mexico are going to nick a goal. No, Messi comes through once again. And this is why he's the greatest player of all time. This is why Messi is the greatest player of all time. At certain points in the game, I was questioning what he was doing. He was dropping too far deep. And, and I was getting a little frustrated. But then out of nowhere, a moment of brilliance. What you expect from the greatest player of all time. He, come, he pulls one out of the rabbit's hat. He pulls a rabbit out of the hat. And all of a sudden, one nil Argentina. It was a brilliant strike. And once... Messi was able to unlock this Mexico defense and get the first goal. Mexico had to come out at least slightly a little bit more. It was pretty much a done deal because Mexico were not creating anything against that Argentina midfield and defense. They couldn't barely string together three passes at a time. It just took one goal, and you have to give credit to Messi for being able to get that goal because Ochoa, you know, he's a great goalkeeper. And, I, you know, I wouldn't have uh, put my money on him making a shot from that far out against Ochoa, but he did. That's why he's the GOAT. So it's what you come to expect. Now, I want to ask this to you. Was this Argentina performance convincing enough for you to be confident in our prediction and your prediction of them making the final winning it? As of right now, still, I still have them uh, winning it all, obviously. But from this performance, I'm not feeling too good because I think you can't really rely on individual brilliance like this because, you know, obviously Messi can do this, but He's not, he's not what he used to be. He can't do this every single game. And I think if Argentina go out really expecting this, it's okay, Messi will eventually in 90 minutes pull something brilliant out, you're going to lose. You can't win many games. You have They have to be a cohesive unit. And they still haven't got it. I think a lot of it has come down to just their their midfield play has been poor. The connecting connecting the, the defense to the attack has just been poor. DePaul has been bad. 
And um, that's why I feel like Messi's been dropping back way more just because he can notice. I mean, everybody can notice. You could be blind and you could tell that they can't, they just can't connect it no more. And uh, that's something to definitely have to fix. But as of right now, I'm not feeling very well. I think um, this is a scrappy, ugly game. But realistically, everybody's been playing like this almost this entire World Cup, other than maybe like at Spain, but Spain hasn't played a second game yet. Everybody's been playing very ugly football. Like this makes you heart back to even like the, the other football when uh, Tom Brady said there's been a lot of ugly football. This has been a lot of ugly football. Like no, no, like very cohesive. You know, I, I feel like there's no runaway team right now. Like it's all kind of everybody's struggling. Everybody's kind of struggling to find their rhythm. But it's still that that does make me, um, you know, a little bit more hopeful for Argentina because you're not the only ones that are struggling, but. Hopefully they could fix it out. I trust this team can. And um, I think it was a big relief to finally get that goal for Messi and fi finally start to, you know, things start to click. So hopefully that's a sign of things to come going into the game against Poland, which they, they I'd like them to win because so they could finish top of their group, but they could, they could get with a draw. You just can't lose. Yeah, no, they just cannot lose to Poland. And, you know, we saw Poland play today. They, you know, they won against Saudi Arabia, and that's something Argentina couldn't do. But it's still, for me, Poland have not looked extremely convincing. They don't look like an amazing team. I would expect Argentina to be able to win this. And I 100% agree with you. I think I'm still confident in my Argentina prediction, although it was looking dire, you know, after the Saudi Arabia game. They came out and they, they had a gritty win. And this, this shows championship pedigree, being able to... to Know a team like Mexico, they, they were, you, know, you knew after five minutes that they were parking the bus for the whole game and they were just oh hoping God. to play for the nil-nil. And it took them, you know, around 60 minutes to be able to finally break the deadlock. But it shows grit, you know, to be able to keep pounding on the door, you know, keep trying, keep trying. And eventually, you know, when you have Messi, eventually he's going to find a way. And that's what happened. You have to win games like this. And it shows, you know, when you get into the knockout round, when you're, you, you, when you need a goal, when, when things aren't going your way, you need to have performances like this. And this is exactly what Argentina have shown they can do. And if anyone had any doubts about that after you know losing to Saudi Arabia in the way that they did, I think those doubts have been uh, been you know shut. It's, it's, there's no more doubt. And I think you know it still hasn't been 100% convincing. It's not like they're playing free flowing Pep Guardiola genius football by any stretch. But you know it's the World Cup. Teams are coming out. You know, it's quality. Mexico have quality players. You know, it's not an easy game. And to be able to win in the way that they did, you have to give 100% credit to Argentina. And I think that now the relief, like you said, is off their shoulders. You know, they can be more confident. I think they're going into this Poland game extremely confident. And I would expect Messi to be able to continue. Uh, I would hope Lautaro Martinez is able to find his form a little bit because they're going to need him. And, you know, hopefully Rodrigo DePaul is able to also find his form. I think... You know, he really needs to pick up his form. If I think if the Paul's play, if the Paul's playing well, this Argentina's team's gonna play well just because he's the guy that has to string this all together. He's the guy in the midfield that mm -hmm. has to string this together because Messi can't really do that no more. The Paul has to do that. But you know, yeah. hope, we've seen he he can do this. He's done this on the highest level. He's done it against Brazil. He's done it on the way to win um, the Copa America. So. Hopefully he can he can shake this bad playoff and start start really clicking because Argentina need it. No, they will, and especially come you know if they are able to 100% qualify for the knockout round, whether or not they finish second in the group, and they inevitably look like they'll be playing France if they finish second. So this game against Jesus. Poland is extremely important. You know, Argentina 
they need to win against Poland and make sure they come top of the group because you don't want to face France in the round of 16. Not that, you know, they, I'm not saying they, they could beat France, but you, you just don't want to play them yet. You know, yeah, you'd not, rather, not yet, not yet. You'd rather, you know, have an easier round of 16 game, obviously. So it's, in, it's very vital. Maybe for back to back rounds Poland. of 16s versus oh. France. And it's not what you want. You know, you don't want yeah. to play the world champions, you know, in the round of 16. So this game against Poland is a must win. I expect, DePaul to finally, you know, potentially to have a good game. And if he doesn't against Poland, I would expect him to be dropped, you know, to be honest, because they have some decent depth. You know, Paredes didn't even play today, and I think he was the best midfielder on the pitch yeah, against yeah. Saudi Arabia. You know, I would expect, you know, I, I think Paredes should still be in the starting lineup, you know, even for the next I, game. Yeah, I don't know what, what went I, to that decision. I, I don't know. I don't quite understand it. And I can't question Scaloni too much because they were able to win. But I think if I'm Scaloni, I'm putting Paredes in, back in the starting lineup. Uh, you yeah, know, yeah. And I hope uh, Romero is able to be 100% fit. You know, he, he came in on, on the sub. You know, there are a few question marks, but I, I just inevitably think that they are going to beat Poland. I think it'll be a convincing win, you know, potentially just like that. I think it'll be a 2-0. You know, maybe Lewandowski is able to uh, nick a goal and it's a 2-1. I, I, I don't quite even see that happening. I think this Argentina defense is going to shut the door. I expect a 2-0 comfortable win. Argentina finished top of the group. It, just like we all predicted. You know, it didn't start the way we uh, all hoped, but it's going to finish the way we expected. I think you can agree with that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, obviously, you know, Mexico played poor. Argentina able to get the win. But on to Mexico's rival. You know, my country. Yeah, you know, United States. Yeah, well, I was born here too, man. Yeah, but uh, you, yeah. Don't, you don't quite like repping them as much as I do, you know. So. Yeah, pro probably not not as much. Just be, uh, I don't. I just don't follow them as hugely because I'm more in the European football. But uh, with the United States playing England, talking about pretty ugly games, we watched that one together as well. What were your thoughts and what were your takeaways from that England and United States matchup? Well, I think you can look at this from two perspectives. You can look at it from an English perspective, and you can look at it from an American perspective, and it's completely different. Absolutely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and, uh, you know, you'll probably, I'm going to touch on the England perspective as well. I think you're going to hone in on that. I'm going to go in at it from an American's perspective. And the United States, they played excellently. It was an absolute joy to watch from an American perspective. This was exactly what we needed to see. After that disappointing result you know, against Wales, you know, where I feel like for the most part, we were the better team. And ultimately, the Wales, they came out in the second half and they, they, they dominated us and they, they nicked the goal. And it was a disappointing 1-1 draw. You know, coming in, you know, I don't think anyone had too high of expectations of this match because we all thought England was this absolute world beater coming off of a 6-2 win against Iran. And, you know, to be honest, you know, even me and you, we both expected uh, England to win this game comfortably. However, that's exactly what didn't happen. It was the exact opposite. From minute one, the United States came out on the front foot. And you have to give 100% credit to the United States midfield, led by Weston McKinney, led by Tyler Adams, and led by Eunice Musa. They absolutely dominated the England midfield. And this was the pivotal portion of the match here. And this is no disrespect to Jude Bellingham and Declan Rice because they're great players. But this midfield three of the United States played better. They just quite simply played better. They dominated the match. And that allowed the United States to control the game. For the most part, England might have had a little bit more possession. But the better chances all came from the United States. And it all came from that midfield. Tyler Adams and Musa and McKinney were able to drive forward, get Timothy Weah, and get Pulisic involved. Ultimately, that's where our chances came from. They came from the midfield pushing out onto the wing and whipping the ball in. And Pulisic, you know, our best chance probably, you know, taking that uh, 
kind of yeah, weird, right weird, weird yeah. angled shot hit the crossbar. You know, it was an ugly game of football, all things considered. But it's the way that the United States needed this game to go in order to get a result like this against England. If England were playing and they're firing on all cylinders, that wasn't going to be the way the United States was going to get a win here. They needed it to be a little scrappy. They needed it to be a midfield contest. And if that was the case, they were going to have a chance to get a result. That's exactly what happened. You have to give 100% credit to Greg Burhalter. I got on him a little bit after the Wales game. He came into this game. He set the team up brilliantly. Perfect lineup. And I expect this lineup to be the one we use next game as well. You have to give credit to him. The United States, they came out and they were the better team. And nobody expected that to be the case, you know, when we were coming into the game. We expected England to dominate. So, you know, as a United, as a United States fan, it doesn't. this game didn't have too much impact on us going to, through to the round of 16 unless we were able to win because we all knew it was going to come down to the Iran game. And I'm going to get into the Iran game in a second here. But from an English perspective of this game, it was an absolutely pitiful performance. Absolutely disgraceful. It was disgraceful. You have this team. This team, you, if you look at this lineup front to back, it, it's a great team. I mean, you got Harry Kane, you got Mason Mount, you got Raheem Sterling, you got Bakayo Saka, Jude Bellingham, Declan Rice. Do I need to go on? This team is absolutely loaded. And that was the performance we got. They created absolutely nothing. You know, they, their best chance of the whole game came on a cutback to Harry Kane, I think, in the 10th minute. After that, they created pretty much nothing. They, they didn't deserve to win this game. And to be fair... If anything, they probably deserve to lose the game based on how it all went. And that is an absolute disgrace with this team. And, you know, you have to put, you know, for, for me, this, this I can't, obviously, like you blame the players on the pitch, but I, I'm not even going to do that. This blame for me, and I'm pretty sure you would agree, all goes on Garrett Southgate. It all goes on Garrett Southgate. Playing this anti-football with this England team is a disgrace. He should have been sacked before the World Cup. It wasn't happened. He should have, to be honest, he should have been sacked after the Euros. Like, like this England team is too good to be playing such ugly, bad, pathetic football. It is absolutely disgraceful. Garrett Southgate, he should have been sacked yesterday. He should have been sacked last year. He should be sacked tomorrow, today. Get this man out of there. If I'm England, you know, I'm thinking about sacking him now. In the middle of the tournament, it's getting that bad. Obviously, I doubt that's going to happen, but I would consider it. I genuinely would. It is pathetic, and I'm sure you would agree. You know, what are your thoughts on the game? Well, I got to give all credit to the United States. They played, like you said, they played brilliantly. They played exactly how they needed to because this is what they wanted. They wanted to go in. You know, obviously, everybody wants to win, but they definitely wanted this game saying, hopefully we can squeeze a draw. And they that's what they got. And kudos to them. They, they deserved it. They probably should have deserved to win the game. But like you said, this was an absolute crime against humanity performance from England. and. I'm not even going to really criticize a bunch of the players because, you know, they, they played poorly, but it just, it, like you said, it comes down to Garrett Southgate. This, he just doesn't know. He just doesn't know what he's watching. I don't believe he watches the games. Like, he sits there, but I, I truly believe he's not watching this game because just everything he does doesn't make sense. You know, you, it, you're going to, you're going to halftime, you're nil, nil, and you decide to sub off Jude Bellingham for Jordan Henderson. You're that you need a goal and you decide, you know what? Let's put in George, uh, Jordan uh, George Henderson. What? You take out Jude Bellingham. You you take off a 19-year-old for what? A 30-plus year old. You leave Mason Mounted. 
the the it's just so bad of the selections of the team and just he has his favorites it's so clear as day that he prefers mason mount over phil Foden. it's clear as day he has favorites in this team and it's ridiculous look you you, you fancy pep guardiola yeah pep guardiola the best manager in the world currently right now pep guardiola has had the chance he's had raheem sterling he's had Grealish, and he's had phil Foden. Which one of those players do you think Pep Guardiola likes the most? It's Phil Foden. I don't know what he's done to Gareth Southgate for him just to be in the doghouse. But the fact that you're choosing these those other two players over Phil Foden just shows you don't know the game. You don't know what you're doing. Because if the bet I trust I trust the best manager in the world. I trust that he says Phil Foden is better than Raheem Sterling and Jack Grealish. He should be playing. And the fact that he hasn't played a minute in two games is disgraceful. It's he should be locked up for this. This is so bad. I don't keep him in Qatar. Like, just keep him in Qatar. Like, if any English fans defending him, you should be prosecuted as well for treason. This you you're given the most absolute gems of players. You're given such the golden generation, and you're wasting it. You're just throwing it away. Like, literally, any other team would wish to have these players. And you're throwing it all away, playing this horrible brand of football, just this defensive style, and it just doesn't make sense. And I, I just I scratch my head. I'm like, I, is this is this real? Is this an actual guy? Is, and to stack up on it, he goes into the press conference after it. Obviously, England get booed off. They're, they're, so. they're getting booed. And Gareth Southgate gets asked, so what do you think of the booing? He says, I don't think that was directed toward us. Gareth, who the fuck is that? Who are, who are they booing at? Are they booing at the United States? The they underdog? Just the game of their lives. So why, why would the fans boo the underdog who got a favorable result? That literally makes no sense. I, I don't understand where you even come up with that. Have you watched any sport? Have you watched? I've never seen a sport where the underdog gets a really good performance, you know, may, not a yeah. win, but, <laughs> gets booed. you know, it gets booed. That doesn't make sense. Literally, you watch boxing, you watch anything. The favorite, you watch Floyd Mayweather. Maybe he has a horrible fight and he doesn't uh, win as decisively or he doesn't win at all. He gets booed. You're going to get, he's get the booze going to him because he's the favorite. You're the favorite. You should be beating the United States. You are better than the United States in every single position. There's not a position on the field that they are better than you at. And they outplayed you in every single way. That is disgraceful. He should be sacked right now. I've seen enough. I thought the uh, the Iran game was, you know, a, a good sign to come. But that really was just individual player brilliance. They're playing in spite of Gareth Southgate. I, I could bet everything like garasaka after that performance they score 6-2 he probably said i didn't i didn't think we could score that many goals this guy doesn't I, he doesn't understand that this team is so attackingly gifted and you're still not using every single tool in the box you know your toolbox phil foden should be playing over mason mount he should be playing at least a minute like it is just it doesn't make sense, man. And it doesn't and even like, begin. It doesn't even begin to touch on the fact that Trent is also in the doghouse, and whether or not yeah. you like Trent or not, he should be contributing at some at some point, at some well, way. 
You are literally there, nil-nil. You need a goal. You should be subbing on Trent and Phil Foden because those are two attacking-minded players. And he doesn't because he just doesn't fancy them. That's that's inexcusable. It's despicable. He just personally, he does, he does not like these guys. So that's why he does not play them. It's disgraceful. It's absolutely disgraceful. And I, I can't stand for it no more. And there, there's no England fan in the world that should be still supporting this guy. I don't give a shit that he took you to the Euro final. How did you play in that final? You played horrible. You lost to a team that didn't make the World Cup. I mean, you you had you had an international trophy right there gifted to you, you and you, you bottled it. Right it. You bottled it. It was, it was coming home, and you got one. You, your manager set up a game plan for you to get one shot on target in 120 minutes. I it's don't even just, know. It's 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 horrid. It's horrid. He he can't make adjustments, and England are I I know I was real high on them, but I don't see a shot they win at all with. It's the same old England. It's like I'm talking about, uh, you know, that old school Cowboys, man. It's like the, it's the same old shit. It they don't they're not they have not changed at all. They're the same team that we've always thought they were, and it's it's despicable. I mean, they're wasting a golden generation. That's what I was going to say. England are wasting a golden, and this is not this is this is the golden generation for me. I mean, what 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 a group of players England has. And England are wasting this golden generation because of Garrett Southgate, because of one man that they decided to keep in as this manager. It doesn't make Southgate, any sense. Garrett Southgate would not get a job in the Premier League. He wouldn't get a job as an assistant coach in the Premier League. I would doubt that he gets a job in the second division. He is abominable. He does not know what he's watching. Like, literally, you could put anybody out there. Like, literally, just get someone from the stand. Get one of the one of the, one of the commentators or some shit. Martin Tyler. Know what he's, Martin Tyler, get him out there. It's just despicable, man. It's just a horror to watch. And I think out of all the games that have been played, you know, it, it's definitely rivaling. At least Argentina had two goals. This game yeah. was just a horror to watch. It was just so boring and a horrid. And England played into the United States' hands. They, they got them. They, they, you know, United States are leaving that game saying thank you, and now they just got to win against Iran. Yeah, but, no, the, the United States are definitely feeling confident, but it's like it, I just can't get over the fact that England really think that Gareth Southgate is the one to manage this team. I mean, they have this golden generation, and they've really came to the conclusion after everything that they've said this is the guy. That you, I you really he, don't think you could get a better manager? There, there's so many managers who would love to have this job. And you really sit here and you think, you know, they, they've probably been in the boardroom saying, you know, oh, are we gonna, are we gonna keep him? And they really think, yes, this is the, the guy the, who will the lead board, us. The boardroom's praying that he gets to the quarterfinals just so they get a reason to, to sign the deal. Look, he got us to a quarterfinal, guys. Oh. We had to renew his contract. And it's just like, bro, I will literally Look. contemplate just not watching England anymore. This is just horrible. If Southgate goes any longer, I hope. They get to the round 16 and they get bounced out. Please, so football gods, something happen and they kick England out real early. So there's a reason, the undeniable reason that the Southgate can't keep this job. It well, look, if Southgate somehow manages to 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 scam his way into keeping this job for any longer after the World Cup, I, I won't know what to say. It will be the biggest disgrace in footballing history. 
if if the footballing association sits here and says after this World Cup and after what we've all been seeing, if this guy Gareth Southgate deserves to go on for any longer, he should have already been sacked. By the way, if he goes on for any longer, England they're, they're never winning. The tournament. He should be sacked right now after that performance. You know, and it's no disrespect to the United States. I mean, but let's great. not. Let, yeah, but let's not act like the United States aren't aren't like they're their prayer and they're the highest at the highest ceiling for them is oh. the quarterfinals. This England team, their ceiling is winning it. They, they are expected to go in and really make a shot to win this. This team isn't getting anywhere near that. I, I think as of right now, their ceiling is about as high as the United States, man. Like it's, they're, they're looking like a quarterfinal team and to have the amount of players they do. I mean, if the FA, look at this, and they, and they say, you know what, yeah, I think we're playing good enough, then obviously they don't care either. And, you know, it's going to have to take – it's going to have to take a lot, a lot. It's going to have to take a, 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 a ginormous blunder because they're, they love this guy. He's a yes man. He says everything that they, they love to hear, you know. But uh, there's a lot of England fans that are fed up with this, and they are the loudest. They are the rowdiest. Not not always the, you know, they're very crude, but they, I mean, they don't go far in this tournament. I would I wouldn't want to be the FA having to deal with them. The only reason why England have a have a, a prayer in making the quarterfinals is because, you know, they're going to be playing the runner up of Group A, and it looks like that is either going to be uh, Senegal or Ecuador. And no disrespect to either of those teams, but Senegal is without their best player, and Ecuador. They're they're decent, but you know they're nowhere. They're about on the same level as the United States. Uh, so, so they might be able to make the quarterfinals, you know, because they they should. And and I mean, if they play like this, they they might not. But they should win that game. But as soon as England plays a top side, you know, a, a Spain, a France, a Brazil, anybody anybody that has any bit of quality, you know, real quality, they're getting bounced. It will Absolutely. be an absolute horror show to watch. They, they play Brazil, they're getting spanked. <laughs> oh my god. They're getting killed. They're getting killed. If they and that's, play and that's just, you know, if they play any team that is has anything have, have any bit of quality, they will get absolute spanked. And, and it's gonna be funny to watch in some ways, but also sad to watch because this team is too good to be losing to some of these teams, you know, that I'm thinking they could lose to in the in the in the knockout round. Yeah, you know, they, 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 they could be they should be making the final, and I'm thinking Spain will will knock this team out if they play. Oh I mean, well still uh We'll have to see, but I mean, Spain—they look very—they look very good. Yeah, but, but yeah, wait, hold on. Before we move on to the next one, I just wanted to get your opinion because mm-hmm. looking forward to the United States, look, England. They, look, regardless of how bad they've been, they're going to move on to the next round. But the United States, yeah, they—it all comes down to this, and and obviously, the United States, their expectations isn't to go to the final or anything like that. But you'd like for mm-hmm. them to to make it out of the group. It would be you know a a, a good achievement for this young group of players. You know, one of the youngest squads in the World Cup, but it yeah, all comes down the youngest. It, it, pretty much. Yeah, it all comes down to this one critical, crucial game against Iran. So I'm going to go ahead and ask this to you and then I'll give my thoughts. Will the United States beat Iran and make the round of 16 of the World Cup? I, it's it's tough. It's tough. But I'm gonna have to say, United States take it in a one-nil win against Iran. Iran aren't bad; they're they're pretty good. They they beat Wales two-nil, which United States struggled to do. You know, United States dominated Wales, but they they couldn't find that finish that finishing blow. They gave up a bad pen. 
But against Iran, you know, United States have that momentum, and Iran do have a bit of momentum as well. That scoring uh, two past Wales, but um, I'm gonna edge it out for the United States to win a close game, and <clears throat> because they they have to win, they can't draw. It, yeah. It's it's a must win. This is the uh, you know the most must win to the highest extent because we said Argentina was a must win. And realistically, yeah, but they could have drawn and st- and won and still went through. This one, United States can't draw. If they draw, they're out. This is a must-win, high high pressure, and this is going to be the most pressure that probably these these uh, young players have ever had in their lives. So, especially in uh, against a, a team like Iran, they they have to perform, and I I think they'll be able to do it. Now, I mean, it's going to be a tough game, but I 100% agree. I said coming into the tournament that Iran was a very, very difficult opponent. I said that I, and it, going into their game against England, I expected them to give England a tough shout. It just didn't quite fall their way because they gave up an early goal and you know they couldn't quite execute their style of football that they wanted to. England ended up putting six past them. Iran is not uh, four goals worse than England. Definitely not, especially based on how England have been playing now. They're just not, you know, it's just a little bit of a fluke result in my opinion. But with that being said, the United States is coming off of of a a draw against England that is going to give them confidence. It's going to give them momentum. And I 100% expect them to take it against Iran. I I think that from the minute one, they're going to come out on the front foot. And I think they're going to hope to get an early goal. Even if they don't, I expect USA to be able to win this game 2-0 in my opinion. I think Iran are obviously going to be you know, going for this game as well. They know that they need a result. I think it's going to create open spaces. And ultimately, Iran's defense is not quite as good as England. So I think there are going to be more holes. There's going to be more space. And it's all this game for me comes down to the midfield. And I think that the United States has an excellent midfield. Tyler Adams, Eunice Musa, and McKinney. Obviously, I hope that McKinney and, and Musa are 100% fit. I think they will be. I think that the United States will be able to dominate the midfield again, like they did against England. And if they're able to do that, they're going to win this game. They're going to create enough chances because Pulisic and Weah have been playing great this tournament. And ultimately, it's going to just come down to can the United States get the finishing touch because they're creating some chances, but it, it looks like the main weakness is that number nine position. I don't think it's going to quite come down to the number nine. I think that they're going to be able to find a way and nick a goal, maybe two, and come out with this on top. I 100% expect it to happen. If it doesn't happen, it's going to be a failure in my opinion because, look, if you told that the United States camp, you told the fans, if you told them it was going to come down to a winner-take-all pretty much game against Iran, they're taking that. You're signing the dotted line, and you're saying, I'm taking that all day. And this is what it's come down to. And the United States is a better team. They are, they are a better team, so you expect them to win as the better team. If they don't, it will be a disappointment. But all things considered, the United States has they've done well this tournament. They've proven themselves. But if you really want to prove yourself, you have to win this game. You know, the United States teams of old generations with Landon Donovan and Clint Dempsey, they made the round of 16. That's, that's what they did. They, they almost won a couple of times. You know, remember the Belgium game. If you really want to cement yourself in this generation going forward for the United States and inspire, you know, a lot of the youth in the United States, you have to win this game against Iran and make the round of 16. It is a must for the culture of soccer. And it is extremely important. And I expect them to be able to do it. If they don't, I'm going to be extremely disappointed. But I've been I, I've been in very confident, you know, ever since the England result that we will do it. I've been telling you uh, for a couple of days now. So yeah, uh, I I agree. I think <clears throat> this this game is set up for them to do well, and I think they'll advance. 
yeah, no, yeah, they, I think they will as well. And it will be credit to them if they are able to do that, you know, because they, they deserve it based on what I've seen. You know, they played, you know, two good games and hopefully they play a third. They're going to need to. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, going into the next game that we had the the champs. The, pri- the privilege of, of watching France <laughs> versus Denmark, the champs coming, coming out and finally breaking the curse. They, yeah, they did it. They officially broke the round, this, uh, the group, the group stage curse of the champion. So I wanted to get your thoughts and what you, what was your thoughts and opinions on that game? Well, I said coming into the match that I needed to see this France team perform against Denmark. I said it because after I saw that our uh, Australia game, I said, okay, it was a convincing win. How are you going to do against a team that I consider to be pretty damn good in Denmark? And it wasn't, it wasn't the prettiest game by any stretch of the imagination, but they were able to win. And that shows to me that they still have that championship mentality. They still have the quality led by Didier Deschamps. You know that they're going to play good football. You know that they have good talent all across the pitch. It's just I wanted to see how they do against another quality opposition. And to be fair, they they did their job. It came down to moments of brilliance once again. You know, Denmark, they weren't an easy team to break down. And that's a common theme throughout this World Cup. Moments of brilliance. You know, when you've got arguably the best player in this World Cup, Kylian Mbappe, you're always going to have those moments of brilliance sometimes go your way. And that's what it came down to. Mbappe, we saw the first goal. Maybe it wasn't the prettiest, but he puts himself in a great position and he scores. And then, you know, Christensen fights back. He gets one. And then, look, 86th minute, Mbappe gets to the end of a cross from Griezmann. He, he finds a way to get it in the net, pretty much with his hip. I mean, you don't see hip goals too often, but Mbappe puts himself in the right place in the right time. He's able to score. Mbappe, for me, has sealed himself. You know, look, Messi is doing great things, but he's sealed himself as the star of this World Cup. You know, he is... He, he, he when the lights are brightest, he comes to he comes to play. When the France needs him the most, you know, and they needed him, he came to play. Mbappe, he did his thing, and you have to give credit to the the whole rest of this team. You know, too many. Uh, he's played two excellent games. I, I criticized him. Rabio, he's played great. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Griezmann, he missed it. He missed a good chance, but he still had a good game. He got an assist. Uh, Dembele, he's played great through two games. Teo Hernandez and the, the rest of this defense. France are looking like a well-oiled machine, just like we kind of expected. I think given these two results, and obviously they're the first team to make the round of 16 officially, they're looking like favorites for me. Uh, you know, it, it, There's obviously a couple other teams in there, but it's looking like France are, are definitely up there as one of the favorites to win the tournament. And you know, a lot of people expected that, but now it's cemented for me. You don't want to play France. And let's just be honest, in the round of 16 or in the knockouts at any point, you don't want to face this French team because they are looking like a well-oiled machine. And they basically shut down Denmark for the most part. They created, you know, minuscule chances and, you know, they got one goal. But when you've got Kylian Mbappe and you've got this French attack, it's going to be a tough day. And and that's what it was. Absolutely. I, I agree with everything you said. France played played well. They They looked vulnerable at points. But like you said, it came down to individual brilliance. And I think... Mbappe has cemented himself as right now the best player in the world. He's just so electrifying. This guy is must see. He's one of the quickest players I've ever seen in my life, and he's just so electric. And he he's up for it. He's he's the most game player on the, on every pitch he's, he goes on. Because there's a little bit of a different 
different feeling when he plays for France because he knows that he's the guy that that this country is goes as far as Kylian Mbappe takes it. And right now they're looking great. And I think everybody, uh, the players are playing well. Like Tushmani is playing very well. Uh, Theo Hernandez is playing well. And it's it's what France wanted to see. They they made first team to make uh, the next round. And yeah, like you said, I wouldn't want to play them. I wouldn't want to play them. I I'd hope that someone else is able to, to knock them off. But we can't we can't act like this team has not underperformed like in the Euros where where they went out fairly early, which I I thought they'd win. But they're looking well. If we're talking about early, real early favorites, yeah, they're they're probably tied right now with Spain, but Spain hasn't played that second game. So we will see. But um, definitely impressed by France because Denmark has – a lot of people were saying Denmark were a uh, dark horse Mm -hmm. for this one. And, and, you know, other than the Christensen goal, France looked like they, you know – they, they didn't have really uh, clicking yet, but when, when it was clicking, they they didn't really have much of a much of a problem with Denmark. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they take this further on into the tournament. But great win for France, and you know, not really much else I can say about it. I mean, yeah, it's it's I 100% agree with what you said. You know, this team is going to go as far as Mbappe takes them, and Mbappe, you know, I I agree. He's cemented himself as that guy at the World Cup at the moment. And I, I, we heard the commentator mention this, and I thought it was an interesting point. When the World Cup comes around, I think the World Cup is Mbappe's tournament, it feels like. you know, uh, Ronaldo's got the Champions League, and uh, Mbappe seems to have the World Cup. You know, He comes to play. He comes alive in a way that you don't see you know, necessarily every time for PSG, you know, especially in big games. But in those big games for France, he comes and he always turns up. And this was just a prime example. When they needed, they needed him the most, he came through. And you have to give credit to Mbappe for that. Uh, I think, you know, it, it, it it's, goes back to what he said. He said uh, in the in the middle of the season, he prefers playing on the wing. On France, yeah. he begins to play on the wing, and you see you how good you see how good he is playing when he gets to play where he he prefers. He absolutely terrorizes the fullbacks. He he, he makes them cry. I, I, if I'm if I'm a fullback. And I ha- and I look across and I see I have to guard Kylian Mbappe. I might as well just start crying. It's over for me. I, I saw good. a clip. Yeah, I saw a clip of someone recording on the sideline that Mbappe was like re- literally running f- running routes on on I, fullbacks. I, I saw like that. a wide receiver, and yeah. I was like, God, Jesus, man, this just isn't fair because he's so fast. He's he's, he's so, so electric, so quick. And he's, he's making this great. poor he's poor yeah, he's making this poor guy you know uh, not know where he is. And that's just the brilliance of Mbappe. It's what he's campaigned for. He want he likes playing with a true center forward like Giroud, being able to play off that that center forward. He doesn't like being in the middle because that's not what he does. It's harder to 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 run through two center backs. But when he's going one on one all the time, he he's just almost unstoppable. Just his the blend of skill, speed, and finishing is. You just can't do nothing with it. It's kind of like uh, you just hope he misses. You hope he, you hope he miss. Yeah, you gotta literally. You just hope he misses, and he just didn't miss. You know, t- today he he was able to get on the end he of the well. the winning goal, and he he played extremely well. I want to pose this question to you. You know, because you said it's looking like they are. You know, the early favorites potentially at this very moment. You know, obviously we we both predicted Argentina, but do you think France will go back to back? 
from right now, I think it's still a little too early to say. You know, I I think right now they they are they're the favorites to do it. If we're talking about really really early favorites, and yeah, I would say they have just nudged out Argentina for me as they're gonna win. But this it's football. Things I mean, next week we could be having a completely different conversation. So as of right now, I'll say yeah, France are definitely the team to beat. But things could change, and we'll we'll have to see. But they're playing well. The French should be very happy with uh, the results that they gotten. Yeah, I think they're gonna they're gonna go perfect through this group. I, I doubt they they lose. Uh, I mean, they play Tunisia the next game. So. Yeah, they play Tunisia. I doubt they they lose to Tunisia. But um, yeah, you know, I bet the house. I, I would right. have to say yes. <laughs> but well, what what do you what do you think? What are your thoughts on Brazil in the overall bigger picture of this tournament? Brazil? No, uh, did I say Brazil? I meant France. Yeah. Well, nah, my bad. Brazil, we'll, we'll get into Brazil in a second here. But <laughs> the second, uh, yeah. France, I think that they have, they're looking like they are primed to be potentially the first team since the you know Brazil back in the day with Pele to go back to back. I think if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be them because they've got the best player in the, in the tournament. It's crazy to say that because Messi and Ronaldo are both here, but it's officially a dawn of a new era. It's the Mbappe era. And when you have the best player at the tournament, you're always going to have a chance. And when you have surrounded them with such great players, a great defense, a good goalkeeper, a new goal, Lloris, a midfield that for me had question marks, but they've proven themselves as, as good enough, you know, so far with too many and Rabio. And when you've got a dynamic winger, you know, such as uh, Dembele next to him and then Griezmann, who is turning back the clock. He's still he's looking like he's a little bit of the old Griezmann. Good. He's flashes of uh, the, the old Griezmann here. Uh, and then obviously Olivier Giroud, he didn't have the best game, but, you know, it's it's uh, you don't need Giroud to be that guy. You just need him to finish the chances when he gets them, and that's what you can expect from Giroud. So it's looking like France for me. I picked Argentina, but if I had to to give a favorite right now, I 100% agree. France are my favorite from this moment because of how dominant they've looked, and they look like a well-oiled machine. And I don't see many teams being able to stop this French attack at the moment, and any fullback. That has to face Mbappe. It's going to be night night, and you know, let's just say hypothetically speaking, they play Brazil, whether it's in a semifinal, a final, whatever. We both we've we've spoken on this before. Brazil's main weakness is the fullback position. If it's Brazil yeah. versus France, Mbappe is going to run riot. He's going to run yeah, Dan- riot. Danilo's not doing. That. Yeah, Danilo, Danilo is not. not doing Danilo is not stopping Kylian Mbappe in any way, shape, or form. He'll be lucky to uh, stop him a couple times. You know, he's absolutely going to run circles around him. So, you know, it depends, you know, obviously matchups are matchups. And if you scheme it right, you know, it's football at the end of the day, anything can happen. But right now, I I 100% agree with you. France are looking like the favorites for me. And I wasn't as high as France. I I wasn't as high on France as you were coming into the tournament because I had questions. And my questions have been answered by these two performances. So I'm with you. I think France are looking like the favorites. Yeah, and I I feel like that uh, that carries a little more, more weight especially going to the next topic where we're, when we talk about Brazil and Serbia, that, yep. you know, Brazil, uh, well, fully going into it, Brazil and Serbia, Brazil played fairly well. I mean, Serbia is no slouch. Serbia is a, a good team. Hmm. And Brazil were able to get it done. Uh, two, uh, well, two great goals from Richarlison. One goal of the tournament right now. Absolute yeah, worldy. And, you know. Game four million I, followers. I, you gained four million followers from that game. That's the World Cup. 
But uh, you know, I when I saw, I didn't think Richarlison even had that in him. I mean, I, I saw him in the starting starting lineup. I was like, you bench Gabriel Jesus for Richarlison, really? You know, like a guy that can't get a goal for Spurs in in the Premier League, really? And then he does that, <clears throat> and he plays like R nine for the country. <laughs> I mean, we're Spurs fans are watching this. You're like, where is this guy at? We don't have this guy. This is not the one that plays for us. But I mean, Brazil just play like how Brazil do. They they play very pretty football. Casemiro played very well. I mean, Vinny didn't play very well. But uh, you know, ne- Neymar Neymar did his thing. But Jesus, I've never seen a player that gets more fouled than Neymar. It's just I don't understand. I think he t- he tied his record for the most fouls he's uh, he's got in a single game. Just these Serbian players. They don't know what to do with them. They just, uh, neighbor's got the ball, foul them. It's like, Jesus. And every time you see it, and a lot of the times, you know, Neymar is kind of going with it, going, going into the tackle, but those things stack up, you know, go, hitting hitting the ground that many times. And you ended up seeing that one of the, one of the uh, fouls ended up taking him out. His his foot looked like a balloon. It, it was badly swollen, but... um. I no, nothing was torn. Nothing was uh, thank you know, God. Nothing looked too too ugly. No, nothing wasn't that bad. And I think they're gonna they're resting him until the the round of sixteen. And I I don't think they really need Neymar for the to get to make it out the group. I no, think they'll no. be fine. I doubt Vin, Vinicius is gonna play as bad as he did that game. But you know I I think Brazil they they came out and they you know they didn't they didn't blow me away, but. They, they did what they had to do against a, a pretty solid Serbia team. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. You have to give credit to uh, the Serbia team because they're no pushover. You know, I picked them to finish second in the group. I still stand by that based on what I saw. Yeah. They look like a very, very cohesive unit, a, a well-put-together team. Uh, they play, you know, well as a unit. And they have, you know, Dusan Tadic. They have Mitrovic. They have Milinkovic-Savic. You know, they have some quality, quality players. And... You know, obviously, Brazil are still the better team, and that's why, for the most part, they dominated this match. But you have to give credit to Serbia because it took them 60 minutes for them to finally get that goal. And, you know, before, you know, Richarlison yeah. bags the first goal, you're over here saying, you're like, well, I'm not, I don't know about Brazil, man. I mean, Serbia, they're, they're not doing too bad here. Brazil, they're, they're not quite silencing any critics, you know, by any stretch. But, you know, Richarlison gets that goal, and then obviously he gets that worldy. What a goal <laughs> it was. And, you know, now we're sitting here and we're saying, you know, Brazil, they did what they needed to do. And I 100% agree with that. It wasn't the, the prettiest thing in the world. It wasn't the best performance in the world, but they they got uh, uh got done what they needed to get done. And like we've seen yeah. throughout this World Cup, sometimes you don't need to play the prettiest football. It doesn't need to be the best game. You just need to get the three points. And that's what Brazil did. You have to give them credit. I think, obviously, it's a huge concern, this Neymar injury. You know, mm-hmm. they're saying he's going to be okay for the round of 16, but with the ankle, and it's something Neymar has, has dealt with in the past, it's never uh, uh, quite as clear-cut as that. So you hope that in the big picture, he's going to be okay. Because in the short term, look, Brazil will still win this group even without Neymar, but they will not win the World Cup without Neymar. You know, and you yeah, want to no. you want to get him back as soon as possible, especially for the round of 16. But at the bare minimum, you need them back by the quarterfinals because that's probably when things start to get more serious and you're you're going to really start playing some top, top teams. And if you're playing a top, top, top side, you're going to need Neymar out there because he is the, the talisman for this team. He's the guy. Players, the are, cir- 
players are circling Neymar and saying, we got to stop this guy. And we and we, then we can try to stop the rest of this Brazilian team because it is loaded, but we got to stop Neymar. And that's, you know, what we saw from Serbia. That's why they continuously foul him. And I'll get you, I wanted to get your thoughts on this, but for me, me personally, I understand, you know, to gamesmanship and, you know, if it's a part of the game to a certain extent, but it, I just find it, you know, disgraceful in a way that, you know, players target Neymar and they just foul him so much. It's, it's similar. You see it to all of these, these dribblers, the guys that people, they, they play beautiful football and they just get hacked and they get fouled for doing it. And I, I just don't quite like that because players like Neymar are players that make you want to watch this beautiful game that we, we love watching. And they just get absolutely killed in these games for playing the way that they do. And I understand, you know, no one likes to get nutmegged and no one likes to, you know, be beaten on the dribble. But I think referees need to do something and they need to start holding uh, these other teams more accountable by maybe booking them more or something when they're just continuously going after one guy. And it was clear as day that Serbia is just going after Neymar. And if, as soon as he gets the ball, foul him. That's just the only way they think they can stop him. Yeah. I understand it from a certain, uh, I, I understand it from the Serbian perspective, but I, I just think that they need to do a little bit better job of protecting these players because you don't want a guy like Neymar missing the games in the World Cup. You want him on the pitch. Yeah, it was, it's one of those things to where it's just how Neymar's play style is. He invites he invites a lot of tackles. That he usually holds the ball and waits for the defender to make a move to then make his move. And after Neymar's made his move and he's beaten his guy, they're usually already they're they're hacking him. They're 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 giving him some type of kick because Neymar will go down to it. But it's just the 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 consistency of it. It's almost every single play that's happened to him. And it doesn't really happen to many other players because there's not a lot of players that play like Neymar. Like I watch a lot of Vinicius. Vinicius relies a lot on his pace. He's gonna try and get around you. He's gonna he's gonna uh try and get his pace to just purse past you, but that's not how Neymar plays. Neymar tries to just dance his way through defenders. And realistically in this in the game how it is now you can't do that anymore. You can't uh players are not gonna allow you. It's almost like a it's like a thing that that goes in you know, on set. It's like even in other sports, it's like if a player gets you, you got no matter what, you got to foul him, you got to stop him because it's like it's almost like a you know a bit of a disrespect. And I mean, you get nutmegged and you just immediately foul because it's just like shit. I'm not gonna let you get me with that. But you know, it's just I don't know what they could do to kind of stop that. I, I the only thing I can really think of is I'm booking them. I mean, because. You know, ye yellow cards in the World Cup are not good. You get two, you're banned for one game. So I think refs got to start trying to protect, especially players like Neymar, that they know that they invite a lot of challenges and players are going to play into that. And you, you start booking, you're booking a couple, they're going to, they're going to hold off. They're going to start, they're going to start yeah. being a little bit more cautious. But um, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate to see because uh, just, you know, even before halftime, you know, he's already getting up to – he's already been fouled five times. And I already had a, a pretty bad feeling that this isn't going well. It, it only takes one poor foul to, to, you know, to get a bad nick. And that's what that's what happened. Neymar got nicked. And hopefully, you know, he comes back round of 16 and he's perfectly fine and he, he stays good through the entire tournament. I want to see this Brazil team at full strength. I don't yeah. want to – I don't – you know, it's, it's just like uh, I don't – as much as uh, you know, I didn't pick them to win. I don't want them to win, but I still want them to be beaten at full strength. I want there to be like realistically, no. Oh, we didn't have Neymar, so we didn't win. So, I mean, yeah, I 100 hopefully you get agree. back.
and yeah. I know I hope that the, uh, the doctors are right and that it's not the most serious type of ankle injury because you know those high ankle sprains. You know you can say that you're going to be back in in in, a few, in two games, but that's just not realistic. You know, and they're saying it's more yeah. of a it's more of a lesser degree. So you know, hopefully they're 100 right on that. But it's one of those things because they're not protecting the players properly. Whoever Brazil does play in the round of 16, if Neymar is coming out and, and it's his first game back, they're they're targeting that ankle. They're saying, well, we already know that's slightly injured. You know, it might not be badly injured, but it's still probably slightly banged up at that point. Players are gonna they're gonna be going after him because they're not properly protecting him. And I'm not saying you need to change the rule book because of Neymar and how he plays, but this, you know, I I just don't quite like seeing you know dribbling guys like that just get hacked. You know, you, we saw it. Uh, similarly to, to, you know, like uh, Wales, when the United States played Wales, it was just hack a Pulisic. Every time he got the ball, you just tack him, to, you know, bring him down. And that's, you know, when, ne when Neymar, he, he does that, he, he gets it every game. You know, Pulisic, he's yeah. going to get hacked down every game. Every game Neymar plays, whether it's at the club level or now international, which is even more of a physical game. International football is so much more physical than the club level. Neymar just gets absolutely beaten to a pulp every game. I'm surprised he doesn't get more injuries than he does. I mean, obviously, he's not the most uh, healthy player always, but this guy could be yeah. getting injured every game with some of these tackles, man. And, and you just don't want to see a player as great as Neymar injured, especially at the World Cup. This only comes around every four years, and this might be his last, he's saying. So I want to see Neymar yeah. playing, and I want to see this Brazil team at full strength. You know, I'm hoping that he's going to be back 100%. But all things considered, even without Neymar, a, a dominant win. It's what we needed to see from Brazil. But, you know, we expected this. So, you know, the big true tests are going, they're, they're still to come for Brazil. It's going to come in the quarterfinals. It's going to come in the semifinals. It's going to come in the round of 16. You know, are they able to beat these teams? Are they able to do it in the knockout rounds? It remains to be seen. But you got to, you know, tip your cap to Brazil. They did what they needed to do. Absolutely. Moving <clears throat> forward into uh, you know, another game that has a phenomenal player, you know, uh, Ronaldo in Portugal, the, the man, the guy, uh, yeah, that guy, Ronaldo, uh, obviously playing against Ghana, Portugal, able to come out on top with a three, two win. I'll go ahead and pass this one off to you. Your initial thoughts on Portugal able to uh, get this win. I think it was a very, very entertaining game, you know, up until, uh, things started to, to you know, hit the fan. Portugal, uh, they, they came out, you know, I think it being the first game that both teams kind of feeling each other out, seeing what works, what didn't work. And I think uh, the the lineup, other than, you know, Rafael Lau not starting, I think, you know, got to start Rafael Lau. That's a no-brainer. Yeah. But, um, that, yeah, I think uh, in attack, I think th there, there was never a question about Portugal's attack, that it's it's dynamic. It's great. I mean – Ronaldo can draw fouls and uh, there's just a lot of attention goes around Ronaldo and it opens up for, for a Bruno, for a Bernardo Silva, for what well, soon to be subbed on Rafael Lau. Like this team is very dynamic in attack and um, you know, Ghana are no, aren't, they're no pushovers. They're, they're a pretty well-versed side. They're solid defensively. And um, you know, they, they gave Portugal a little scare because P Portugal score and then, I believe what Ghana. Andre Ayu. Yeah, yeah. They they're able to uh, then Ghana able to answer back, and then uh, Portugal take almost I thought was a, a grip of the game going three one, and then Ghana score again at the 88th minute, and then right at the death at the 95th minute, 
it I, I, I saw the unthinkable, you know, he, uh, what was it? He just got converted from Spanish to uh, what was his name? What's what's striker's name? What's striker's name? I, I had a Naki Williams, Naki Williams, yeah, Naki Williams. Naki Williams stays behind the goalkeeper, waits for him to drop the ball, and then goes in, but just slips. He just slips and can't, and can't finish it to seal the tie. But I think, I think it wasn't very much very deserved. But uh, Portugal got the win. I think they deserved the win, and uh, it was a bit of a scare. But this this Portugal team is a bit shaky though on defense. As as I thought they'd be a lot more solid. Cancelo played horrible. He played absolutely abominable. He was getting beat on he beat on the dribble, and just absolutely tore apart. And that's not what I expected from Cancelo. I mean, Cancelo is one of the best backs yeah. in the in the world. He had a bad game. You know, Diaz. He didn't play horrible, but he was kind of just there. And uh, what what was his uh, other? Was it Danilo? Was his? Wow, I forget the other it, center back. Danilo Pereira, yeah. Danilo Pereira. Absolutely. Yeah, he doesn't even play center back. He's a midfielder, but I guess they forced him to center back. And he, yeah, he basically caused the the goal slipped under his feet for the first <laughs> the first goal. I don't know how that happens, but you know, this this uh, Portugal defense is a bit shaky, and I don't I don't trust the coach enough. I I think that's where Portugal's gonna get let down. They don't have that coach that can that can really unlock this team's full potential. I mean, Jao Felix played well, you know. They have so many weapons. It's almost a bit like England. They have a lot of lot of weapons, but just it comes down to their play style and their even their team selection that it's holding them back a bit. Hopefully, Rafael Lau made a statement to where you got to play me. I mean, you have to play me because he had a chance to score two in this one. He scored one, but he had a chance to get more. And if you give him a full 90 minutes, I think he could do a lot for this Portugal team. So... I mean, I was, I was, I was still somewhat impressed, but I think uh, it, they left a little bit to be desired. That's exactly the phrase that I would use to describe this Portugal performance. I said it uh, in our pre-tournament analysis of Portugal. They have a great uh, squad, but I just don't know if I uh, trust Fernando Santos to get the full potential out of the squad. And I think we've seen flashes uh, now after this Ghana game of that coming true. You know, obviously. They got the win at the end of the day, so you have to tip your cap and, and yeah, give them credit where it's due. However, like you said, Cancelo didn't have the best performance. Basically, this whole backline didn't do great by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Bruno, he had a great game. You know, he pulls out two assists. Uh, Joao Felix also had a great game. You know, Ronaldo, he scored the pen, but it wasn't a, a convincing performance like I expected. However, I think Ronaldo was knocking off a little bit of the rust. You know, he hasn't been playing as much for Manchester United. Obviously, now he doesn't even play for them anymore. But I think he was knocking off a bit of rest. I would expect him to play better. Uh, you'd hope so. But I think I 100% agree. Rafael Leao must be starting in this team. If he doesn't start, it's an absolute disgrace. He has put on a show, obviously, for AC Milan. He, was, he led them to the title last season. He's, he's continued up his good play this season. And he came onto the pitch, and he changed the game. He showed just how dynamic of a player he is. He comes on, and he scores pretty much immediately. And well, yeah, it was a great finish as well. Just it, it, absolutely exactly. whipped it. it. The keeper pretty much had no chance. He looked extremely confident. He didn't look like the moment was too big for him. Portugal, you know, they were up at the point, but you know, Ghana were still in the game and fighting. And Rafael Leao comes on, and this is this is his first World Cup. And for some players, you know, they could bottle that chance. Rafael Leao, cool as ice, 
he just he's smiling as he puts it away because he knows he's scoring. You know, it was it was a clinical finish, and he needs to be finding a way in, into the starting eleven. There's absolutely no reason for him not to be in the starting eleven. I have to give credit to Joao Felix. You know, I wasn't expecting him to play as good as he was because you know, ever since he's went to yeah. Atletico Madrid, his career has kind of fallen off. He was the wonder kid, went to Atletico. Was a wrong wrong decision in my opinion. But yeah, that's, you know, I, I, I think that, that more has to come down to how yeah I thought they could play. But Joao Felix had just how he plays. He's such a dynamic player. No, yeah, and he, he was a great player. He was the better uh, out of him and Ronaldo in this game. I mean, Ronaldo's got the pen. Yeah, but, but he's probably the yeah. He was the better of the two, and you know this was a good Portugal performance, but it wasn't the best Portugal performance. You know, Bernardo Silva he had a decent game, but he didn't play as good as I know he is. You know, uh, the defense was was weak, in my opinion. It didn't play as good as I know that they can play. I think that, you know, they got the win, so you have to give them credit. But I think, like you said, there is a little bit to be left. Uh, it was a little bit to be desired with for this Portugal performance, and you would hope. And, and they're going to need to make up for that uh, when they play a quality team like Uruguay. And if they want to win this group, which they're going to want to win this group because you don't want to be playing Brazil in the uh, round of yeah. 16. You're gonna to want to win this group, and they play Uruguay next, I believe. That's a must-win game. You know they have to win. They have to at have least to. get a draw. Um, and if Portugal play like they did against Ghana, it's gonna be. I'm not gonna say that they can't win because Uruguay didn't look the best, you know, in their game against uh, South Korea. But they need to step it up and they need to play a little bit better. And I just don't know. And I said this in my pre-tournament analysis. I just don't know if I trust Fernando Santos to get the most out of this Portuguese team. And to be honest, because they won, I don't know if too much is going to change. And that leaves me a little bit uh, concerned about this Portuguese team because I think if they don't make a change, like bringing in, bringing in Rafael Leao into the starting lineup and maybe uh, switching up the defense, I don't know, man. I think Uruguay might be able to get a favorable result out of that game because, you know, Santos is not going to change the things that I think need to be changed. It's going to be remain to be seen, but it's going to be interesting because that is going to be a, a blockbuster game, a must-see TV. Yeah, it's going to be a really good game. I have a really, uh, really good game. You know, you you would expect, you know, for me, we both picked Portugal to win the group, so I think we're both expecting Portugal to win. But it's we know Uruguay are not a pushover by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, uh, you know, I think if uh, Uruguay had a little bit of a better performance than I thought they would, uh, I I was still dicey. I mean, I going into this group, I was like, I picked Portugal, but Uruguay, they they have some key, really good players. Like, I mean, basically led by Fede Valverde, but I think, uh, you know, Darwin Nunez is still trying to find his feet a little bit. And, I mean, Su Suarez washed. I mean, Luis Suarez is washed. I, I don't even know how he's out there anymore. Cavani uh, washed. The pro that's the only, I think, thing. It's basically Nunez or bust. And Nunez hasn't been the greatest form. He's been a, a form a recently, but I don't think that's enough to, you know, compare to the firepower that Portugal have. Yeah, I 100% agree. It, it, uh, Switch, rotating between Suarez uh, starting and then Cavani coming off the bench, is, it's not the most convincing. They have yeah. quality, and if they get a, a chance in front of goal, you expect them to finish because they have that experience. And we know how clinical these guys were in their prime. But the problem is, you know, they're just they're just not quite at that they level. They can't get anymore. to those spots they anymore. They can't, they can't, they really, can't, get, they can't really get there. It, it's one of those things. Uruguay, they're going to need to create some more. You know, they're going to need to find a way, and it, and it's it's unfortunate. Because, in my opinion, this manager for Uruguay, Diego Alonso, he needs to make some some better subs. 
in my opinion, and, and I might be a little biased here as an Orlando City fan, but Facundo oh, Torres, Facundo Torres needed to find a way into this Facundo match against South Korea, Torres. and he needs to find a way to get onto this pitch against Portugal because I think he offers something that Uruguay don't have. You know, that is a dynamic dribbler. He, he reminds me a little bit of Neymar. You know, not in terms of quality, but in terms of the way that he's able to dribble what? and attack players. No, 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 no. Reminds you of Neymar okay. because of the way he because of the way he attacks players and he wants okay. to you know dribble and, and get at the fullbacks and that's something Orlando Uruguay does City not have. have Neymar. <laughs> Orlando City have Neymar. Is Darwin Nunez gonna run at your fullback and, and uh, take him on the dribble? It's not happening. Suarez is not doing that anymore. And, and to be fair, no. Facundo Palestri, who who started the match, he ain't getting it done either. Get, He's not getting it done. Get Facundo Torres in the game, and I think that that will give Uruguay something that they don't have right now. You know, Valverde can't do it all. He can't. He can't yeah, play no. midfield. He can't play wing. He can't play right back. He can't play everything for this team. He needs a little bit of help, and you know that's basically my biggest storyline about Uruguay. And if they don't find some more attacking prowess, I don't see a way that they're able to beat Portugal because their strengths. Look, Portugal's weakness is looking like the defense, but Uruguay's weakness is looking like their attack. So it's it's, it's going to mm-hmm. be. And I, and I trust Portugal's defense more than I do Uruguay's attack at the moment. So that's why I'm yeah, going to leave. Because I, I, I think uh, Portugal have the the better issue. I think uh, Uruguay just don't have the personnel. Por- yeah. Portugal have the personnel. They just played poorly. Like, exactly. Cancelo is probably not going to play that bad again. I, Diaz I played well. I think uh, Danilo, if you're going <laughs> to play him there, I think and, uh, I think you, you could hide him. You could hide him in that defense. And uh, I, I always forget his name. What's the left back for uh, per, uh, Paris Saint Germain? The the uh, Portuguese Nuno Mendes. Nuno Mendes. Hopefully he's come back. I, I think it said he was a little a little sick. But yeah. I mean, on paper, that back four that's a pretty good back four. Other than I think it's good enough to you know hide Danilo. Um, but, to, be, um, to be honest, I'm putting Pepe in over Danilo. Give me Pepe. Oh God, Pepe! Give me Pepe. Pepe's almost forty. Okay, give, God no, give, Pepe's. 40. Give me Pepe. You want, you want some flashback shit? Pepe versus Suarez. I mean, damn, that's some flashback hey, shit. Hey, you know, at least it'll be entertaining to watch. You know, those two oh, they, they, you know, back in they back in their the, prime. Back in yeah. their prime. I mean, they were feisty. Oh God, yeah, but uh, no, I think uh, I think if the other guys step up, they'll be good enough just to hide Daniel. Because I mean. There's not much you can do. You weren't. You don't really have another better center back other than Pepe. Bro, but, I'm, uh, I'm not. You know, I'm not trusting Pepe to have the pace to deal with Nunes, bro. I don't think he he's gonna have to, keep he has up to with deal Nunes. with Suarez. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna let like uh, watching your grandparents fight at the barbecue, man. It's like that's, a bunch of the two old people duke it out. But uh, yeah, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and for as far as Uruguay. I would try and play Valverde a bit more, you know, in, in the attacking sense. I would play him on the, a little bit more on the wing. Just have, yeah. you know, have Nunes on one side and Valverde on the other one and just try and see if they can feed something to, you know, basically the wheelchair-ridden Suarez. I mean, just fast, fast something. Give, give him a tap in. Get, you know, get him in hey. a proper yeah, position. Exactly. He'll take it. And uh, I, I think that's the change I would make because I think Valverde has uh, has de- developed that game to where he can the transition into the the, the opposition box is pretty elite. 
Yeah, he's yeah. very fast. He's a very fast player, and he's got he's, he's developed got he's developed a shot that's pretty good. Like he could score from outside the box. He's yeah. got a rocket for a leg, and we saw it. I mean, he banged it off the bar, hundred percent from distance. But uh, you know, I, I got Portugal winning. Uruguay have have a good shot, but I, I think it's gonna be. Uh, it's it's either gonna be you know a very close one one or it's gonna be a straight shootout because I mean if got if uh, Ghana is able to get that many goals on them you know I'm gonna probably have to cut it close I'm I'm gonna say two uh, one Portugal yeah I, if I have to put a score on it get give me uh, Portugal me, is not keeping a clean sheet there's no way yeah, <laughs> so, no, give me three <laughs> three one Portugal three one Portugal okay. Yeah. I think I think it'll be one. I think it'll be one of those things. I think Portugal are going to be up late, you know, like two one, and then they're Uruguay are going to go for the goal, and then uh, they'll get hit on the counter three one. Yeah. Ronaldo Ronaldo is going to get a tap in probably at the, uh, the, the oh my god, he's going to get a tap in. You know what we're, we're going to have to see. He's got to he's got to basically make a, a you know a statement for the next club to get him. You know, yeah, he's played yeah. a lot, so he's going to have to he's going to have to show show the other club something to show that why you should get him. Yeah, hundred percent. But but I, th- uh, I think yeah, I, I think that uh for all the games the 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 major game that's wraps it up for mo- for all of them I think we touch upon yeah. all the the key love, key matchups. You know, I know obviously we haven't quite you know because of the way we, we've been able to record we haven't quite been able to touch on the brilliance of Spain and the poorness of Germany, but we will get onto that because I think you know we will have another episode coming sometime during the this week you know yeah. and we'll be able to touch on. You know, hopefully this brilliant match tomorrow between Spain and Germany. I'm I'm excited for it. Germany looking like they could be going out, you know. So I can't wait to talk about that in a couple of days or whenever we do the next episode. Mm-hmm. But without further ado, it is time to move on from the brilliance of the, the beautiful game of one football to, to American football. football. And the Dallas Cowboys, they came out on Thanksgiving and they did what they needed to do. I got to hear what you have to say about this performance and, and the Dallas Cowboys in general, because I, I, I know what I'm going to say, but I want to hear you first. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, the Cowboys came out in the first half and it was, wasn't looking very good. Look dicey. You know, the, the giants had a, a pretty, pretty good start, but then, you know, as soon as the, they, the Cowboys got in the swing in the second half, they just, they just did Cowboy things. I mean, Micah, uh, Micah and the Marauders, they're, they're, they're playing out of their mind. And, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, pretty good game. Ran for, uh, you know, just under uh, 100 yards. And uh, C.D. Lamb played well. And uh, Dak played played good, uh, played what he had. He did what he had to do. And this Cowboys team, you know, is impressing, impressing, and adding on to, you know, what we're starting to believe is a Super Bowl bound team. And I'm still not ready to say we're we're going to touch upon that uh, uh, right, right after this, but. I'm still not ready to say that yet. I still think they need Odell, but uh, they they're looking very very good, and they're they're starting to they're starting to do what we've been asking them to do: be consistent. We want to see consistency, and that's what they're starting to do. One hundred percent. Look, a lot of people coming into this game expected you know uh, the Cowboys to come out and it, it to be a complete blowout. But if you really know, divisional games just aren't going to be like that. This was the Thanksgiving game prime time because it's thanksgiving you know 4 30 and it's a divisional game against uh your arch rival the new york giants 
it was never going to be an easy game. And that's exactly what we saw from the kickoff. You know, at halftime, you know, the Giants had the lead and, and people were, you know, saying, oh, man, same old Cowboys. Oh, my God. Uh, the, no consistency. And Dak, you know, he had uh, thrown a pick and it wasn't looking good. But the Cowboys, they showed a little bit of that championship grit. You know, that they haven't won anything, obviously, yet, but they showed what you need to do in order to make it that far. You have to show that grit. You have to show that you can get it done when the pressure is on. And that's what they did against a tough divisional opponent. Divisional games are always extremely, extremely hard. And Dak came out in the second half, and he looked like a man who knew that he had to perform, and he did what he needed to do, throwing a couple touchdowns to Dalton Scholes and putting C.D. CD uh, Lamb having six catches for 106 yards. He did he everything did except get a touchdown. He did everything except get a touchdown. Dak, this team is going to go as far as Dak takes them. And obviously, I think that they will end up getting Odell, but that's neither here nor there. Even as currently constructed, because of the fact that they are showing a little bit of consistency, because of the fact that Dak seems to be, for in my opinion, playing at a good level, you know, he's showing that he can be consistent. And although he threw two interceptions in this game, I'm not taking that too, too crazy here. I think that this Dallas Cowboys team can and will be a Super Bowl contender. I think that come playoff time, they will be in the NFC Championship game. They'll probably be playing the 49ers. And it's going to be a really close game between those two. If they get Odell, for me, they're 100% going to win that game. Even if they don't, it's going to be a close game. I think the one-two punch of Zeke and Tony Pollard is going to be good enough to win you a lot of games. It takes pressure off of Dak. And even though Pollard or Zeke, you know, they had had both have a decent game, but they didn't quite have great games. You know, Zeke probably had the better of the two games, getting um, 92 yards, just under 100, and getting the touchdown. And but we've seen how good Pollard can be, and he didn't quite have a great game. And it's one of those things when one doesn't play as good, the other can pick up the slack. And sometimes they're both going to have great games. And it just goes to show the depth of this Cowboys team. It goes to show that this team can find multiple ways to win, that they can get it done when it matters the most under pressure, when they didn't play a great first half. It's just they're showing that they can win in multiple different ways. And that's what you need in order to win a Super Bowl. Not every game is going to be butterflies and rainbows a perfect performance, everything's going to go your way, the calls with the refs are going to go your way. It's not like that. You're going to need to find ways to win in difficult ways, and that's what the Dallas Cowboys are being able to do. And it's what the main difference for me between this Cowboys team and the old Cowboys teams of the past, that they're finding a way to win these games. And you can't tell me otherwise that the previous Cowboys teams of years past would, would have lost this game. They would have lost this game. They would have folded after halftime, and, and the Giants would have came out, and they would have won this game. But this shows to me that this team is a little bit different than those other teams, and they can go win the Super Bowl potentially because they're showing that they can win in multiple different ways, and Dak is playing great football, CeeDee Lamb playing great football, Zeke, Tony Pollard, and obviously I didn't even touch upon how great this defense is, led by Michael yeah. Parsons, 11 I, from I heaven. Feel, I, feel like, I feel like it doesn't really have to be touched upon. It's like it doesn't have to the be Cowboys play, their, their, their defense is always going to be exactly. It, it comes always going to be good. It comes down to can the offense be as consistent as the defense is, and they finally seem to have finding that rhythm. And I didn't even touch upon the fact that Michael Gallup seems to finally be Back in the fold, we, we and, said and it. Healthy. We said it last episode. It's like Gallup looks finally. So, he's finally looks like the player that so, he was so before just, injury. Just imagine the one-two-three punch of of CD Lamb, Odell Beckham Jr., and Michael Gallup. I mean, it, it, like it's just going to terrorize defenses. And then you've got Tony Pollard coming out of the backfield with Ezekiel Elliott. 
I mean, Dak is going to have a plethora of weapons. There's going to be no excuse right now for me. To, you know, there's no excuse that this this Cowboys team they have to at least make the NFC Championship game. If they get Odell, for me, they're definitely making the Super Bowl. It's just, yeah. what? Oh no, I, I was going to say, yeah, um, that uh, if they get Odell, I'm I'm fully going in. That I think the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl. If they get Odell, I I think that's the final piece because. That, that's what you want. You want the offense to be as consistent as your defense. And I think with Odell, if you can get him back, you know, he'll he'll have some some time to really get cooking before, you know, past the first round to where, you know, Odell can get fully into it towards the later end and yeah. get you get you to the promised land. Yeah. And like we said last episode, it's just going to come down to is Jerry Jones going to pay the money? And he, and he better. Yeah. He has to pay this yeah. money because – even without Odell, they're looking like a well-oiled machine that is going to contend for the Super Bowl. But it's like it's like adding the sprinkles to the top of the cake. You know, it's the icing. Yeah, you gotta you know get this final piece to the puzzle. You know, and and that, like we said last episode, they have no excuse. And it's pretty much come down to these two teams that just played. And if Odell Beckham, if he's looking at the the way that the Cowboys just played, and he and he's deciding not to go to the Cowboys, this guy just doesn't know ball. And that's not the case. You know, Odell wants to go to a place where he can win a Super Bowl. And and if Odell Beckham is able to bring the Dallas Cowboys a Super Bowl, even even an NFC Championship game appearance, he's going to be looked at it as a as a as a as a god in Dallas because they they've <laughs> been they've been looking for a, you know their Cowboys a savior. Yeah, they're going to be they've been looking for their Cowboys to make that championship appearance and and get back there, and they haven't been able to do it in such a long time. If Odell Beckham is the guy who's able to help bring that back, I mean, what more could this guy want? I mean, look, I'm, I'm not the biggest Cowboys fan, but you just have to respect the greatness of this team, and they are looking like a well-oiled machine that, for me, as of right now, Super Bowl contenders. And when, when I'm saying when, because I think it's happening, when they sign Odell Beckham, they're looking like the favorites. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we could agree that we had uh, – it's going to come down – to the 49ers and the the Cowboys. And right now, I think the uh Cowboys as of right now look like they have the upper hand even without Odell. But yeah. I mean, we we know how good the 49ers are. How dynamic they are. You know, they they're looking like a well-oiled machine. They can match the Cowboys and they can they can basically almost match them in defense. And I think they're a little bit they're a tick over in offense. I mean, it's it's hard to compare. I mean, uh, they they got Christian McCaffrey, but then you got the one two punch in Zeke and uh, Tony Pollard. So yeah. I mean, one has a uh, uh, Debo, the other has CD Lamb and Michael Gallup. So yeah. it's gonna come down a lot to the fact that um, you know, who just really shows up. And I think you know if they add on, I, I I'm I cannot go as far to you say, oh, it's when they get Odell because it's just even every more interview I hear from uh. From Jerry, it just doesn't sound good. I mean, he's he's saying that you know I, I don't know if uh, I gotta I talked to Odell, but I gotta see how his uh, how his injury. He might not play this year. It's like what? I mean, you haven't yeah. even looked at the damn guy. I don't even know what, like, what he meant by that. I mean, you you yeah. ha- you have you have to give him because he's almost like uh you know giving himself a, a way out. Being like, oh, we didn't get Odell because he wasn't healthy. You know, we can't mm-hmm. get a, a guy who's not healthy. But I think. Uh, from what all the reports have said, Odell has already. Um, I think after December, he's fully, fully ready and he's back to start training with 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 a team. So I think uh, 
Jerry has to just, you know, do it, man. I mean, this this we've we've covered this already. We've already had this conversation. Jerry's Jerry has said that you know he'll he'll plunge, and then this is the time to plunge. There's no other time like the present to do it. And Odell's that guy. If there's any if there's if there's anybody you're gonna do it for, it's gotta be Odell. Yeah. And and back to um just for a second here, this 49ers Cowboys conversation. The reason why I tend to lean towards the Cowboys even right now in this matchup, you know, obviously last season, you know, the 49ers were able to uh, get the better of them, but or a couple seasons ago, whenever it was. But for me, in matchups like this in the playoffs, I tend to lean towards the team that has the better quarterback. And it's no disrespect to Jimmy G, but I think Dak is a better quarterback and the supporting cast is good enough with this defense that they would find a way to beat the 49ers. You know, the 49ers have a, a you know, some great weapons. And in my opinion, they have the better coach. You know, they have Kyle Shanahan, one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in the league. But yeah. give me a better quarterback over a better coach, in my opinion. So that's why I have to lean towards the Dallas Cowboys. And that's not saying Dak is the best quarterback in the NFL or even in the NFC, but he's better than Jimmy G. And that's and Jimmy yeah. G's been playing well, but Dak is better. Yeah, absolutely. I have to agree. Oof, so, so is that it for this one? I think yeah, uh, we're we're trying to, a little bit of a shorter episode to try and uh, cover cover these topics a bit quicker. You know? Yeah, no, that, that's what I would say. This was a, a shorter episode, obviously, than the normal because you know we were trying to uh, be able have the opportunity to give our thoughts on some of these games because with the World Cup coming so thick and fast, if you you know you wait and you do one in the middle of the week, you know you missed out on three four games that you could talk about that yeah. are you got to talk about. You know, for example, if we waited to when we normally talk about it. We probably wouldn't have been able to give our thoughts on this England USA game. And we'll be back here to give our thoughts again on, on a lot of these teams in a couple of days when they yeah. played their third and final match. But it's just one of those things uh, we needed to get this one out. And it's a little bit shorter because not as much has happened. But I'm uh, I'm anticipating that the next one will be probably back to normal length. Oh, yeah. It'll be, because uh, tomorrow we got a uh, we got football. We got football great, yeah, back. Some great and, games tomorrow. And to stack it on top of the world cup is just going to be, you know, it's going to be back to normal, but we wanted to get this one out quickly because we, you know, we're going to get our initial thoughts on the Argentina game. We wanted to touch upon, you know, some of these key matchups because now every team's played at least one game. So now we're going to start getting to, you know, how teams, you know, what's, what's, uh, what are they really like? What, what, what can we really expect from these guys? Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're going to try and stay on top of it as much as we can, you know, we're going to try and upload a bit more, you know, be a little bit, uh, try to get a, a couple more in there, but we're just going to see how, how everything plans out and how everything goes. Yeah. Especially with the world cup, you know, at least while this tournament is going on, it's probably going to be a little bit more thick and fast because the tournament moves so quickly. Games happen in every day, four games a day. And yeah. you got to give your thoughts. And it's one of those things. If you wait, then you, you know, that opportunity, you know, you, you kind of goes out the window. So it's one of those things. You know, and I think it's a good thing. You know, more content, more episodes coming very soon, and and just expect it because I would say uh, an episode midweek is is, is it's go, it's gonna come. Is, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I, so. If if I if you probably would ask me right, now, I would probably do one uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, one of those days. Probably uh, after. Uh, what I'm thinking, uh, probably I have to look at the schedule, but probably after the uh, the round or after maybe after all of the group stage games have been played. I don't know if yeah. that's on Wednesday. Yeah, I, I think we'll probably do it right before where we know every team that's going into the round of 16, basically. Exactly, and then we'll be able to touch on uh, 
what we think is, is for going forward with that. So we got some great things coming soon, some some great content. Yeah. It, it's one of those things, the greatest tournament potentially of all time in the world. You know, it's, when it's going on, you know, you got to stay on top of it. So, yeah, absolutely. I think we should just, you know, wrap this one up. Yeah, exactly. So we appreciate y'all for uh, tuning into this episode, episode 30, uh, a little bit of a shorter episode, like we said, but we had to get these uh, topics touched on. Uh, you know, we're currently on the road to 1,000 subscribers, you know, 344 at the moment. We're gaining subs pretty much every episode. If you really listen, every episode, I'm saying a higher number than I did last episode. So it's good. Appreciate all the fans and appreciate Absolutely. everyone uh, for leaving likes, leaving comments. We appreciate everybody. Leave your comments in the comment down below uh, on anything that we said. You know, if you're watching the World Cup, which I, I assume most people are, what did you think about some of these games? Did you think, you know, uh, France are looking like favorites? What did you think about Neymar's injury in Brazil? Leave it all in the comment box down below and hit the subscribe button while you're down there because we are on the road to 1,000. But, gee, any last words? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to harp on the same thing you guys were saying. I mean, anything you guys uh, have your opinions on the World Cup, respond to it. You know, um, co comment down below. We read all comments and we respond to all comments. I mean, we, we want to give this platform to you guys as well. We want to be able to you know, bring on your guys' opinions and talk about them because mm -hmm. this is what, this is the main reason we, we got into this. We want to talk about sports and we, this is, this is this, the, the glory of the, the sport, just bringing people together to have a conversation. Even if you don't agree, yeah. it's just, we, we want to know what you guys think. We see it all and all our social media handles in the description, just pick one and it'll tell us what you think. Exactly. So with all that being said, man, let's go ahead and officially wrap this one up. Uh, this was episode 30 of the Shooter Straight Podcast. I'm your co-host, Zach. I'm your co-host, G. And we'll see y'all next time, probably sometime this week. Coming soon. Peace. Peace.